Are you struggling with homosexual feelings and desire to engage in that sort of behavior? Pastor Ed Taylor has some words of hope and encouragement he'd like to share with you today. Listen, I want you to know if you're in that category and you're struggling in this area and this is an area that has been battling you your entire life, I want you to know from me to you, I love you and I care for you and I'm willing to help you as much as I possibly can and point you in the right direction to get past these temptations, to get past these feelings, to take every thought captive unto Jesus Christ so that you can live as Jesus created you. I don't condemn you. I don't want you to run away from God, but rather to come to Him and know Him. And I accept you for the person that you are. I can't approve of your sin, and nor do I. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Happy Thanksgiving and welcome to Abounding Grace. In a world where homosexuality is embraced and even applauded, what are we to do and think as Christians? And what if you're living that lifestyle and wondering what God truly thinks about it and if there's really a way out? Well, today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor enters into the sensitive subject with a loving heart and an open Bible. While our aim is to share God's truth on the issue with you, we also realize there are many questions people wrestle with, and Pastor Ed Taylor will seek to answer some of them as well in part two of his message on God's view of homosexuality. Listen, our God is a merciful God. And if you're tuned in right now and you're caught up in the sin of homosexuality or you're caught up in an adulterous relationship or you're a single right now and you're thinking that fornications isn't that big a deal, God's showing mercy on you right now. He's showing mercy on you that you might listen and hear and heed his word to turn from your sin. It doesn't matter what sin it is. Our God is merciful. And every day that judgment doesn't come in our lives, every day that we don't face God at the great white throne judgment is God's mercy. See, it's always been misunderstood, isn't it? Mystifying. Well, God has a heavy hand. Yeah, it's a heavy hand of mercy. Well, God, he's, so, he, he's just so heavy toward me. Yeah, heavy in grace and in love. He pleads with us and gives us time. The Bible says the long-suffering of God, the patience of God is for salvation so that we might come to our senses and your marriage might be rescued today. That we may come to our senses and you stop going off in that direction before you pick up some disease that's not curable. That you stop before the decisions you make land you in a lifetime of being imprisoned in some prison somewhere. Or that you might come to the place where God's showing mercy that you might save your kids from giving them the same kind of behaviors and the same kind of patterns because it's just not worth it, guys. And so he's showing mercy. However, notice down in verse 24, then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. And so he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. The judgment did come. You can jot it down in your notes in Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 46 and 50. We learned that the city was filled with abominations. We learned that they were filled with pride and fullness of food and an abundance of idleness, and they committed abomination before the Lord. It was the kind of attitude that says, you know, i got all the time in the world. Jesus isn't coming back, so I'm going to live for today. 
There's really no urgency in my life. I'll dabble in things that are spiritual. I'll make game, I'll make church attendance a game that I play. I'll make religion something that I kind of have, but I don't take very seriously. That's what led them down the path to make a series of decisions. See, friends, listen. For some of you right now, you are flirting with sin. You may not be fully in it, and you may not be practicing it, but you're kind of flirting with it. You're at that place where you're right up on the edge and you're wondering, I wonder if I want to go any farther. I'm not sure, and you're battling right now. And you think, well, maybe you flirted with sin in the past and you got away with it, and you're like, it's okay, it's no big deal. And the enemy's lied to you to think it's no big deal because the trap, friends, has already been set. It's time to repent. We don't want to be as close to sin as we can possibly get without falling over. We want to run and flee from sexual immorality, Paul told Timothy. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want anything to do with anything that would destroy me or destroy my wife or destroy my kids or destroy my friends or even destroy this precious church that we're a part of. Flee sexual immorality. God will judge those that live in unrepentant sin. So now that we have God's view of this sexual perversity, we understand that it's defined as a sin. And you know, friends, when something's defined as sin, that's actually good news because sin can be forgiven. There's a remedy for sin. It can be forgiven and you can be delivered. When we make excuses for our sin, when we try to develop new categories for our sin, when we kind of say, well, I had no help for it, then it's really a hopeless situation. I mean, what help is there? But when God defines something as sin, God also gives the remedy for sin, forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ. But before we leave, I want to go down two paths with you. The first path is for us as believers. When we're out in the marketplace sharing the gospel, what are some things to keep in mind, especially in relation to this particular sin, but others? And then the second path I want to go through is those that might have struggled with homosexual temptations, those that might be struggling with those temptations. And I want to shed some light on those for you so that you can leave here with hope and encouragement. Because I realize that God, I believe, is going to use this CD in many people's lives. That God is going to use this to change people's lives, to give freedom, to rescue. So I want to make sure that we have a balanced approach of what the Bible says. So if you're taking notes, what's our responsibility? It's easy to point the finger, but how can we engage the culture and use this particular behavior and sin, as with others, to win a person to Jesus Christ? Well, number one, we need to pray for and live with the heart of God on this matter. We need to pray for the heart of God. We need to really ask for us, for him to allow us to see this with his eyes and not our eyes. God doesn't hate the person. You realize that, right? He doesn't hate the person that's caught up in homosexual sin. And neither should you. Oh yes, he abhors the act. And he's very displeased with the sin, but he loves the person that's caught up in it. It's definitely sin, but guys, it's not the worst sin in the world. There are a lot of other sins out there that do much more damage than this particular sin. Really, if we had to say, what's the worst sin in the world? The Bible would say that would be the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's when a person rejects Jesus Christ for all of eternity. But when a person is caught up in sin, is trapped by sin, is living with blinders on, our heart is to go and minister to them and love them and be patient with them. You remember Jesus forgave the woman that was caught in adultery, didn't he? He forgave. Jesus forgave the leper. Jesus forgave the maimed. Jesus forgave the thief on the cross and everyone. He forgave everyone that came to him seeking God's grace and forgiveness. That's the heart of God. So just put our fingers away and have our hands open for the Holy Spirit to use us in people's lives. He loves the person. He hates the sin. Number two, when we're ministering to people, I believe we have to believe in the power of God. 
to believe in the God can change a person. Amen? Do you believe that? God can change a person. I don't care who they are. I don't care what they're caught up in. God can change a person. He's a life changer. That's what he does. Jesus offers new life to anyone that will come to him. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, things have become new. God can break through any sinful lifestyle. And I know this sin and a few others are very difficult because they're sexual in nature and they're twisted and they're perverse. But you know what? God can break through. Number three, live as an example of Christ's love. Our lives need to be lived as an example of Christ's love. Think of it this way. Think of the grace that God has shown you in anything in your life. That's how we step out. God's been so graceful to me. He loved, didn't we read in Psalm 130? We read it together, didn't we? If God should mark iniquities, could anybody stand? No way. And he's ready to forgive, isn't he? Tender-hearted and compassionate. And so don't allow the sin to push you off and get you back on your heels and kind of trip you up, but rather live as an example. Right now there are people, whether they're listening in on the radio or have a CD or they're here perhaps in this room that are struggling with feelings of homosexuality. They're struggling with temptation. And you know what? I believe that's exactly how the enemy would want it. I believe that's exactly how society would want it. Have you start thinking about things that really are not true or half-truths. Listen, I want you to know, if you're in that category and you're struggling in this area and this is an area that has been battling you your entire life, I want you to know, from me to you, I love you. And I care for you. And I'm willing to help you as much as I possibly can and point you in the right direction to get past these temptations, to get past these feelings, to take every thought captive unto Jesus Christ so that you can live as Jesus created you. I don't condemn you. I don't want you to run away from God, but rather to come to him and know him. And I accept you for the person that you are. I can't approve of your sin, and nor do I. And that would apply to anything in this room. I don't approve of sin. And when you send me an email or you ask me a question and you say, what about this? And it's identified as sin. I hope you know and expect that you're going to get an answer back as kindly as I possibly can. We need to deal with the sin first before we even deal with your question. There has to be a place where that sin is rooted out of your heart and out of your life. But if you're struggling in this area, I'll tell you, I accept you. I don't accept what you're doing, but I accept you as a person. A person who my Savior, Jesus Christ, died to set you free. And I really, I really mean that. You can call the office and set up an appointment with one of the pastors. We can walk alongside. If you're a gal, we've got women that can minister to you, to open the word to you, and to help you navigate through this. But I'll tell you, the Bible's not asking us to condone your sin. But I'll tell you, when you're talking to people too, if, you, if you're judgmental with them, they don't need any more condemnation. They don't need any more pushing away to the fringe. They don't need anyone else saying, look at what you're doing, look at what you're doing, but rather, they probably lived it with with it their, own, their whole life. They probably dealt with this for a long time. So don't be afraid to love someone who considers themselves to be gay or living in a homosexual lifestyle. Jesus wasn't afraid to be around sinners. And he loved them right into repentance and salvation and into the kingdom of God. You know, I get so frustrated with people that come out and misrepresent my Jesus. We had a group come out not too long ago. What they're doing is they're going around the country at funerals of our fallen soldiers in Iraq, and they're walking up with signs that are blasphemous, representing Jesus. Let me tell you, they are not representing Jesus. 
God loves those that are caught up in sin. He hates the sin. He loves the sinner. And he wants to extend grace. I mean, just in this mess. I mean, just... <laughs> a few more things before we go. Because I know this CD is going to be given away. I know it's going to be a tool in people's hands. So let's deal with a few more practical things. You ready? Number one, what about homosexual temptations? What about them? Do homosexual temptations mean that I am a homosexual? No. Do you know temptations don't make you a sinner? It's how you respond to the temptations. What are you going to do when you're tempted? What are you going to do when these things are thrown at you? When the fiery darts of the enemy are shot right at your heart, what do you do with them? Maybe you've been tempted that way. Or you're even in the lifestyle and you want to get out. We're here to help you. Flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 for a second. As it speaks to us about temptation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Just because you're dealing with temptations doesn't mean you're in the sin. Just because the enemy's throwing temptations your way and they keep coming up and it might have been a long time that you're dealing with them, it does not mean that you're living in sin. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13. This is one of those passages of scripture you want to memorize. It's a truth you want to hold on to. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the... Ready? Way of escape. If you want to escape today, God will make the way. Resist temptation. The Bible says resist the devil, he'll flee from you. With every temptation, God has provided a way of escape. And in Jesus, there is a way of escape. As a believer, no temptations overtaken you. All sorts of temptations. And in the power of God, we now have the freedom to say no to all temptation. You need to leave here with that truth. You can say no to all temptation. You can simply say no and move on. Number two, what if you find yourself in a position where you've been molested as a child by someone of the same sex? You might have found in the course of your life you've been propositioned by homosexuals, a person of the same sex. Does that mean that you're a homosexual now? No, not at all. This world is twisted and perverse. And unfortunately, as we navigate through this world, Things will happen and the enemy will then try to take them because duality on its core is based on lies and twisted truth. Lies that no one will ever love you. Lies that any temptations that might come your way mean that that's a direction, the direction you have to go. The lie is that if you can get a man or a woman to love you, it doesn't matter which. If you can just get someone to love you, then that is real, true, agape God's love, but it's not. And just because the enemy has thrown a few people your way, don't fall into the trap that that wrong kind of love. Maybe you were looking for love as a kid and you didn't find it. And you missed that piece of growth in your life. God wants to restore it in your life with a relationship with him, not with another person. You know, maybe you were severely hurt as a child and you carry with you those pains still to this day. God wants to heal you. He wants to bring healing into your life. He wants to bring you to a place where those hurts and those pains don't become a daily condemnation in your life. He wants to rescue you today. And then Satan might come with some of these and might whisper in your ear, well, maybe you're gay, that's it. Maybe that's what it is. And I'm here to tell you the truth, you're not. Satan's a liar and he's not to be listened to ever, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, never. Seriously, guys. We don't want to set our lives up to listen to the lie. We want to follow the truth. 
and because some things have happened to you, God doesn't make anyone gay. That's not his order. God makes you male or female, and you can walk in that God-given identity even beginning today as God has made you. How about this one, number three? What if you find yourself in a place where the entirety of your life, you've had people call you names, people have picked on you. If you're a man, they've called you feminine. And if you're a woman, they've called you masculine. And they've picked on you and they've isolated you and they push you out to the fringe. And because you've been isolated and because you've dealt with these things, all your name calling and all the things that have happened, you've come to the conclusion, well, maybe I am different. I'm not like anyone else. And and maybe I do have to go in this direction with a same-sex relationship. No, no, no. The enemy is good at this. He does it with little kids and he also does it with adults. He loves to isolate us. Let's take us away from the truth. Let's take us away from people that have the truth. Let's take us away from the help that God has available. And then once I get him alone, I can lie to him. And I can lie to her because there's nobody there to tell him the truth. And then I'll bring in, the enemy says, people that believe the same way and will reinforce that lie and continue to repeat that lie. I think that's what Satan believes. He thinks if I can repeat a lie as many times as possible, eventually people will start to believe it. And you know, sometimes it's true. But that's what Bible study is all about, guys. That's why God reserved in writing for all of eternity his word. That's why Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And if you fall into that category today and Satan has been pulling you down and doing a number on you, listen, in Jesus Christ, you can understand and you can know who you are. You've been washed as a believer. You've been changed and you've been sanctified in him. And if you're not a believer today, the opportunity is here in just a few moments for you to receive Jesus Christ. If you would say to me here today, you know, Pastor Ed, I've never had my sins forgiven, whether it's this particular sin or any. I don't really have a relationship with God. I really don't know him. Oh, I haven't been dabbling in that particular sin, Ed, but I've got plenty more in my life that I've been living in. And I've been liking it. It's just become a part of my life. It's just who I am. But I'm here to say that who you are, who you are apart from Jesus Christ, is not what you've been intended to be. Jesus, he wants to save you. I want to end with this. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We've looked at it already, but I I just want these words to flow through your heart and mind as you leave. The freedom that you have to be delivered. The freedom and strength that you have to live holy and righteous lives. The freedom that you have to be a good mom and a good dad. A good single. A good mom that's raising up her kids. A good son. A good daughter. And that the enemy, Satan, condemns you when you're in sin. That's why you feel so distant. That's why you don't want to read your Bible. That's why church isn't attractive to you. You might be in the midst of a marital thing today and you, I don't want to go to church. Well, that's just what Satan would want. I don't want to be around believers. I don't want somebody that knows me or even a stranger to say, how are you doing today? Because I don't want to be forced to lie because I'm going to set up a pattern in my life where I'm going to lie. I'm going to tell everything, everybody, everything's okay, but you know everything's not okay. And what it requires is for you to humble yourself and tell somebody, it's not okay and I need prayer and I need help and I believe the church is here to provide it. And guess what? We are. That's what the church is all about. But see, we've been also taught in this world and society to put up a front and to be somebody that we're not and to pretend everything's okay. And when we're at church, we've got, we've got our pants, we've got our shirt, we've got our socks, we've got our shoes, and we've got our smile. And we just have to walk around like that, right? Are you okay? I'm fine. And we don't want to live that way, do we? We want to be real. If you've got to cry, cry. You got to fan yourself? Well, you're already doing that. <laughs> you want to rejoice? Rejoice. You want to repent? Repent. 
You want to just get all excited about the faithfulness of God? Then get excited about the faithfulness of God. But please, don't put on a face. Be who you are. Be who you are. Listen, verse 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And such were some of you. You've been condemned about a past sin? Just emphasize the word, not emphasize the word sin. Emphasize the word past. Are you some of these? Well, if you're a believer, then emphasize the word were. You were. And you were washed. And you were sanctified. And you were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the Spirit of our God. And aren't we all here today because of the work of Jesus Christ? I don't care what sin you were caught up in. I was talking to somebody at the construction thing that we were at. And we were talking about our past. And I said something. And he said, well, you didn't know me. Before I came to Jesus, and I'm like, I'm glad I didn't know you before you came to Jesus. And you know what? You didn't know me before I came to Jesus either. He said, well, I'm glad too, because we could have uh, butted heads and got into a lot of trouble before we knew Jesus. But today, we know each other in Jesus Christ, and we've been changed. And the Lord's doing that work, and he can do it in your life too. We've been listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace and his message, God's View of Homosexuality. I'm sure there are some of you who would like to hear this in its entirety or even lovingly share it with someone you know. That's easy to do through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora or listen through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners. Each gift that comes in serves to help us pay for radio time. And think of this. You'll be helping thousands all over the world learn about God's abounding grace and how to grow by it. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, you're invited to request a book by Pastor Greg Laurie and Ellen Vaughn called Jesus Revolution. Some of you were alive to remember how God got a hold of an unlikely group of men and women in the 60s and 70s. You'll read the amazing true story of the Jesus movement, an amazing time of mass revival, renewal, and reconciliation. Can God do it again? You bet. Call us right now so we can drop this in the mail to you. We're at 877-30-GRACE. Again, to order the book, call 877-30-GRACE. Well, Pastor Ed, it's Thanksgiving Day, and happy Thanksgiving to you and Marie. I'll hand the mic over to you before we close and give you the opportunity to share what's on your heart today. Well, thank you, Larry. Like many other people, on a day like this, we have the day off celebrating a time of Thanksgiving with family and friends. So thanks for remind, remembering me and Marie and my son Josh, my daughter Katie. And of course, we don't ever forget um, my son Eddie, who is in the presence of the Lord. His birthday just passed. Uh, Eddie would have been 33 years old. And you know, that's really on my heart when I think of Thanksgiving. I miss my boy. I miss my son being a real big part of our church family here. I miss my grandson, and to be separated from him is very difficult. And so we pray for little Levi and just know that God has him in his hands. And, you know, and yet with the pain and suffering and sorrow of it on a, you know, when I think of all that, I also think of the goodness of God and how much I love Jesus. And no matter what we go through, no matter what wrongs are perpetrated, no matter what injustices we might live through, whatever drama might surround us, we are thankful for God and His goodness through Jesus Christ. And I am truly thankful today 
and really invite anyone listening that is going through drama and difficulty, even family situations of which over which you have no control, uh, that you would look to God today and be open with a heart of thanksgiving because He loves you, and one day true justice will come. We may never experience it this side of eternity. Uh, the people in our lives may never repent, you know, and never get right with the Lord. They may never turn their hearts toward Him to humble themselves. But I'll tell you what. There is coming a day, and I'm thankful now, and I'm thankful by faith that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess the Lord Jesus Christ, and we will experience true justice in the presence of the Lord. So on this day, I think of, yeah, I have to think of some things that we've lost and we're currently losing, but I'm telling you, I'm so grateful for my church family. I'm so grateful for my family. I'm so grateful for you, Larry, for Matt who and Genesis Productions that put all this together. So may the Lord bless you guys today. May you enjoy Thanksgiving to its fullest because God is worthy of our thanks. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. Next time on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor says, be prayerful and careful where you place your stamp of approval. Be sure to join us as our series in Romans continues. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.